Welcome back to another episode of the No In Here podcast. The podcast of the dumps. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it whenever you let me do it. I'm going to let you do it. I think it's great. Awesome. <laughs> okay, this is off to a great start. Chris, how are you doing? I am fantastic. You know, so he never asks me to introduce who? Yeah, exactly. The comic relief. Ah, ah, the snails to my red lip. Oh, God. Does that mean you're going to die soon? I'm going to die. <sighs> Anyways, what do we got on tap today, Steven? Not much. I figured we could talk about our, our life, maybe share about the rules that govern our Maybe uh-huh. I remember you used to do something when you were young, AD&D. Yeah. I, I did. I played it. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Nope. As a DM back then, I don't know if I showed you that, but I had two identical DM screens, and it was very so I could put them up like a little fortress. Wait, wait, wait. So you stacked your DM screens on top of each no, other? No, 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 no. I had them like totally surrounding because they weren't very big back then, so you needed oh, okay. two to like just Oh, okay. Sneak so it by. made like a... like. Like a bit of a fork. Like half of a hexagon. So a regular DM Because it has four Yeah, that's panels. true. Yeah. So your DM screen only had two? No, it had three. But, you know, actually I've seen some pretty cool uh, home Reddit and Twitter. Hardwood, mm-hmm. badass ones. Yeah. I'm not I, sure if they needed. I looked at DM screens, and I use one sometimes. Sometimes I just leave it up. Just, oh no. I don't hide behind them. You know, I, I want my opponent, I mean players. <laughs> <laughs> to see oh, their god. I'm already choking. Oh boy. Normally I just use it to like hide like monsters. But yeah. The 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 DM screen isn't very high. Yeah. It's another fucking kobold frightening. <laughs> True. Just yeah. say it's a kobold, Steven. It's just yeah, it's instead a of a mini dragon. <laughs> well, you always use the kobold mini so we never know what the hell we're fighting. It just makes you feel good on the inside, I think. So no, we would I had the DM screens. The rolls were always behind the screens. I don't know why, but that's just how I did it. I didn't necessarily need to hide, let's say, monster stats behind it, because back then there was no really organized homebrew. You didn't make up your own monsters. You had a monster manual full of amazing monsters and just unpicture that you would use. So, I mean, that might have been behind the screen, but most of the people I played with knew it anyways. We didn't have the term metagaming back then. You just would be like, don't fucking know that. Um, Speaking of metagaming. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, my, AL, my AL group, Adventures League, uh, for those that aren't as cool as me, I had one player say, so I know what this is, but my character doesn't. Can I roll a nature check with advantage because I know what it is? I was like... <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Do you understand how the game is played? Was Hopefully this was someone new. No, no. I, I, okay, good. It's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so you didn't have... No. No, there was no homebrew. I mean, you may change the hit points on something, but that was about it. That's homebrew. Sort of. That's homebrew light. Well, there wasn't. There weren't the terms like yeah. homebrew. Yeah. Well, I guess homebrew. that didn't really come around in the OGL life. Yeah. No, it is. The which I think or was... Pathfinder came out, which is just a giant homebrew that they've used to make money. Yeah, that was either second edition or third edition when they put out that OGL. Uh, when they put out the OGL. Yeah. And uh, that's when they realized <laughs> when Pathfinder, uh, when Paizo started making Pathfinder, that uh, you can't take back an OGL once you put it out there. You can't say never mind. You guys can't have it. Anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It was like, 
this backfired, so that's why OGL went away for a while. And <laughs> it's okay. Came well, back it's back now. Yeah, it came back with 5e, right? Yeah, just um, it's uh, one background, which is the Acolyte, and then one subclass for ELS, and then a handful of races. Yeah, no, that's true. So now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure. I guess it was homebrew, because your modules were very limited, I guess. You know, I was... 14. I had no money. So you would... You have no money now. You made your own dungeons and maps, and that's homebrewing, I guess. Okay. Um, you know, back when we had to have graph paper that you stole from school and lots of pencils, it's some really cool stuff. But I guess that counts. And I did a lot. I love doing that. Now, again, the monsters were all the same in there, but... You know, we'd run through a module, and they were small. I mean, they'd be in three parts, but there was none of this gigantic hardcover $50 book bullshit that takes you two and a half years to run through. Talking about you, uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. But... Yeah, well, like your first supplement book, wasn't that Greyhawk? The yes. World of Greyhawk sells 1975, because I just looked it up. Not, okay. Not that I'm that obsessed with TND. <laughs> right. So and I was five you... then, but I still got it once I started playing. I was 10 or 11. Okay. So you used that world, or did you have your own world? No, I definitely used Greyhawk. I had the frick fucking giant map that i put up on the wall and you know you'd put push pins in it to tell people where they've been and what happened and you know i had did you ever go to the salt marshes no never did uh which which i mean i only ask that because that's the uh the new adventure was just announced by watsi at the time of this recording it would be going to the salt marshes which is a setting neutral area in Greyhawk. right I don't know how that's going to go over. But there was I only... assume it's like Tales from Portal, where it's just a bunch of different side adventures from all the past. I guess that's true, which I have issues with and don't have issues. I know we've talked about this. They're doing it for you. Whatever. Um, I like the new shit. So, yeah, I mean, and there was no... It was Greyhawk. Yeah. You had Greyhawk, and when you're 14, 15, however old you are, you... It was... It never crossed your mind to create a whole new world. You had Greyhawk. That was it. It was a big-ass map, and people just traveled around it. it. You had all the modules for it, and then in between, when they're walking from place to place, oh, yeah, you find some ruins, and there's a dungeon there. Yeah, so and it was like hex crawling? Pretty much. Yeah. Which was great. So did you have any rules to help supplement all this? Or did you just forget that was your homebrew? Was you forgetting how the rules? No. It's funny because I've, you know, since we started this, I've pulled out all of my old AD&D books and they are falling apart. Thank God for duct tape. And it's funny because I was going through that and in the DMG... I have all sorts of notes and arrows and circles and pencil all over the place. I have no clue what I was doing as far as looking back. I'm like, why did It's the poor that? man's highlighter. Exactly. But I took notes in the book, so I followed the rules pretty carefully. And there were things that were I just... Were you a rules lawyer? No. no. God, no. <laughs> you know, back then, you know, the players would ask, what can I do? And you'd look it up and be like, fuck, those are stupid. And so you might... Be like, oh, you can do, yeah, you want to jump off the wall? There's no, there was no acrobatics check back then, but you'd just be like, I don't know, roll a d6, and if you get a one or two, you land on your head. You know, that was about <laughs> and you it. you die, and you make a new character. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, there was no term prone. It was just, you're laying on the ground in front of a monster, and he's going to shove his sword through the middle of your head. It was like, hmm, I might do that. But you let players do things that now are fully designed and, and explained in the books. So I don't think running on the wall is full. Unless you are a monk, in which case you can. Right, but you have the option now because the DM will be like, uh, all right, make an acrobatics check. And you're at disadvantage because you're wearing plate because you're an idiot and you want to try this. And yeah, you need to roll an 18 or higher. <laughs> 
It's like, I'm still going to try it. Why? Because players do dumb shit all the time. So, I mean, part of being a player, the fun is doing dumb. I mean, you're not going to, you yourself, nerds, I should specify, aren't going to do the dumb shit in real life because that hurts. But they're players. It's fun if they get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a cleric right over there. They can just yell for healing. (laughs) I'm one point down. I need heals. Medic. (laughs) And then the the good thing about uh, the the nerd community is I think that we know our limitations. (laughs) We're just like you watch the YouTube video. That looks great. No fucking way I'm trying that because I'll die. But you you remember it in the the game. You're like, oh, I'm fucking trying that for sure here. So I have the athletic build of a (laughs) five-year-old, but my character (laughs) has the athletic build of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess we did do a lot of stuff. It was a lot of off the cuff. I tried to, I was, I planned meticulously. Uh, You spent a long, did you spend a lot of time planning? Yeah, totally. Way too much time? Way too much time. It was a whole hell of a lot better than doing homework. Uh, I, I, can, I can understand that point of view. Yeah. Oh, really? I'm putting it on airplane mode. Leave me alone. Okay. No one likes you that much. Why are they calling? Uh, you know, I do have friends, Chris. Really? I thought the only one was sitting across me right now. The wife counts as a friend. No, the wife. Yeah, you turn off your phone, too. Nope. I'm just scrolling through to see if anybody loves us on Twitter. Very sad. So that was basically it. Okay. Um you know, it was fun, uh, but not as organized as it is now. I, I hate to reference it, but Stranger Things was a good five-minute snapshot of exactly what life was like then. There was no books out. I'm sorry, I didn't see them bickering for an hour trying to figure out how a rule worked. So that's not a very good screenshot of Oh, well, you know, you, you, <laughs> you did. You know, he didn't, I don't think he had a screen. I'd have to watch the... Uh, oh, and while we're on this, it's not the Demogorgon. It's Demogorgon. He is the Prince of Demons. Yes. Not just a random monster. So I, I'm going to be talking about that in many posts. It really pissed me off. So, yeah. It's I'd- Demon Prince, not Prince of Demons. Okay. There's a difference. When you say Prince of Demons, that makes it sound like he is the only prince. But a Demon Prince means there are other princes. I'm looking that up. The, my old monster knows upstairs, so I don't want to leave. But break. Okay. How about you look at the newest one, Mordecai's Tome of Foes? God. I am talking. We're talking about AD&D right okay. now. So so that one jollies your jigger. Jiggers don't, your jollies. Please don't ever use that term again. <sighs> so anyways. Okay. Um, yeah, so... But there weren't set house rules. You know, it's not like they came downstairs. We did it on the fly. And I would forget what they were. And then someone would always remember. And they'd be like, oh, well, last time. And I'm like, I don't remember. Uh, I'm amazed I had friends. (laughs) Selective memory crisis, right? Exactly. I didn't take notes. I just wrote in the DM. Okay. Well, you know, part of being a good DM is being consistent in your rulings, Chris. Is that why you're a player now? Were you demoted? Yes. Okay, so no, 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 like specific house rules that you can remember. Off. No, it wasn't like when we started our newest campaign and we had the discussion before we started with, "Hey guys, I'm adding a few house rules. Here what they are. Here's what they are." None of us paid any attention to you, and now we're asking what the house rules are. Like you're like, you can't do that. Why not? I told you before. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. It's not my fault if you weren't paying attention. Wait, is this me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, I, I, I don't act like that, Chris. I'm much more violent. Yeah, exactly. Not as a person, but as a... What was the one? I think last campaign you were letting us technically move through a square of a creature we may be fighting. There was kind of a workaround. Correct. Well, uh, you can move and- through an enemy square... Because we work off a of grid. Because that's the best way to play 5e. <laughs> Come at me, theater of mind players. Uh, 
But basically, like, you can move through an enemy square, uh, it take double movement to get past them. Now I'm doing, uh, the DMG has a bunch of variant rules, where roll an acrobatics check contested by the monster's acrobatics check as either an action or a bonus action. If you succeed against their acrobatics check, you can through. If you don't, you don't, and you wasted your action. Yeah, because I remember somebody did that. On our first session, literally, Alex, I'm talking to you, buddy. And you were very upset. Like, wait, why? It's like, we talked about this. And he was cool with it. But none of us. It was just like, we're like, all were like, oh, oh, it's okay. okay. <laughs> That's a deal. Actually, I did rework the arcane, arcana checks, sorry, and the nature checks so that uh, we kind of have something set against what you guys are rolling against. And you guys are just like, I don't know. I'm just hoping I roll high so I can get something. <laughs> But now nature checks are based off... What, you don't know? You're looking it up? Okay. So I made three quick homebrew rules. Nature checks, arcana checks, and uh, one for a dispel match. Oh. With nature checks, whenever you encounter a creature you haven't seen before, and it makes sense, i.e. you know nothing if it's like this new creation that some mad wizard has just made out of like the ether. Okay. But if it's like something, a a monster that's walked this world and there are stories about it, then you can roll kind of a nature check to figure out what... Sweet. uh, Kind of the way i do it right now with 10 plus half of their cr you know one useful 10 plus cr you can learn three use and then t- 10 plus the cr times two you learn four useful so if you're going against a, a, a cr1 kobold uh if you roll an 11 then you know three of them if you roll a 12 you now know four useful things about them so if i roll a 20 do i know like his wife's name and how many kids he has and only if you ask okay that would go against your useful things. But basically, uh, useful things would include things like what is their best saving throw ability? Not the number, but their ability, like okay. strength of decks. Uh, maybe the number of hit dice they have, type of hit dice, any skills they might have, what type of damage dice do they do, if they have multi-attack or not. I feel like I should be writing this down because yeah. I don't... Did you talk about this? <laughs> it's on the drive. <laughs> I have a folder of stuff for the players, and they never go open this um, up right now. Different things like that. And then I also have one on Arcana checks. And this is more of identifying items on the fly, so then they aren't ritual casting identified because they don't want to use precious spell slots. Um, but it's going off of the rarity an item. Uh, with the smallest side of, you're basically giving yourself a crash course on what this item does. Okay. And so if it is a cursed item, you are then cursed after rolling your Arcana check. Oh, man. Not that there are that many cursed items, I just thought it was hilarious when I was writing the rule. Uh, But basically, a common item requires a DC 10 Arcana check, Uncommon's 14, Rare 18, Very Rare 22, Legendary 25, and then an artifact would be a... Hey, there it is. An Arcana check is intelligence, correct? Why the fuck are all the good checks always intelligence? Because insight's wisdom, and you guys never do that, and I think it's a great check. Yeah, um, but I, as the name on everything we say, I dump intelligence every time that doesn't seem fair although i take that back for my the character i'm playing now that was not my dumps wisdom (laughs) that's fair uh and then my third house rule uh well i have way more Mm -hmm. this is just like some quick ones i wrote up the important ones that i'm looking at right now because i didn't know about them great uh dispel magic uh, sometimes you magical items mm-hmm. I have decided can be not dispelled but suppress their magical ability uh, in the game. 
And so it is, you can suppress the effect a number of rounds equal to the level of the spell you casted. Minimum of three rounds because the spell is a third level spell. Hmm. And there's a DC set for that. So a common item, you need to hit uh, a 10. And this would be hitting using a D20 to spell casting ability modifier. So if cast spells with intelligence, then with intelligence. So you need a 10, 13, 15, 18, 25 for effect. All right. So give me an example on that one. Uh, let's say there's a broom of flying that a wizard is just flying around the map with, and it's very annoying. Uh, I believe those are uncommon, So, uh, and I wanted to suppress it for three rounds. So what I would do is I would cast a spell magic on that broom. I would have to roll and hit a 13 or above. If I get that, then the broom's magic is suppressed for three rounds, and the wizard drops to the ground. Broken, bloodied on the ground. Fantastic. Yeah. So how... There's an interesting question. Is there... Okay, you can suppress the effects, blah, blah, blah. Any... Ah, minimum of three rounds. So if you decide to cast it at Nine. eighth level, then it's eight rounds. Correct. And But you have to know the, uh, what magic item you are targeting. Okay, well, like a broom of flying is pretty straight yeah, up. Yeah, that's, that's like, oh, she's flying around on a broom. It must be her boots of flying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or that fireball came from the necklace. Oh, necklace of fireballs. We're just going to... Or, you know, the huge sword of flame. <laughs> Probably not the javelin of lightning strapped to his back. Nope. So there is that. So I mean that that's kind of part of Arcana, or sorry, that's part of like targeting. No targeting in five E. There should be. <laughs> I don't need more. Well, actually, you know what? There is targeting in D and D because and you this... have to hit someone. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you specify which person you're hitting. Yeah. No. This, Jesus. <laughs> the and this is a I don't know the only person that I. The first person that I saw doing it was, of course, Mercer. How? Yes. Hashtag not Matt Mercer. Look at our Twitter feed. That's my new daily thing is putting on a quote on why Steven is not Matt Mercer. The DM is always Steven. You get to target because you let the person describe their killing blow, which I think is a cool thing, except for the fact that you forgot to let your wife do it last week. I know. The last session. I never remember for you guys to have it, and you guys don't care. Normally, I just describe how it happens. Well, yeah, but... You, but I don't think she ever really get, gets the killing blow that often. I know. She was so mad that she literally walked in to the wagon that we had, and we had two people that were tied up, and just killed them straight up so that she could describe her killing blows. We're like, we needed to talk to them. Don't care. They must die. I plunged my sword through his eye. I'm like, oh, no. holy shit. She was a shit. She, just shook, them she shook them by the neck until they died. That yeah, was... She's uh, very angry. Very, very angry. To be fair, though, all you needed were heads. Yeah, but we could have talked to one of them. Anyways, we digress. Yeah, I like how no one caught <laughs> me on the fact he originally said he has a wife and kids, and then he started saying he had a husband and kids. <laughs> And then he was just saying he has kids. Yeah. Basically, what he was saying is, I don't want to die. Yeah. Uh, but other house rules that we have, I'm working... You got a, a shitload of house rules for this one. I mean, just a god-awful amount. Well, uh, we're we're basically starting in a big city right now, the city of Aurora. Scarce. And uh, I am starting uh, my own homebrew for what downtime. And that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm not really sure how it's going to go, but basically this just allows characters to have a bit of activity to make the city feel more alive. They can uh, do certain things like make money. On, yeah. <laughs> take on contracts with uh, the Thieves Guild or the Adventurers Guild, and each one uh, is resolved through skill challenges, like a quick skill challenge, like mm-hmm. describe to me what you're going to do. I'll have you roll a couple of dice. If you fail too many times, something bad happens to you, but don't fail. Translation is always have bail money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bribe money. Yeah, bribe money. Bail money money means it's too late. (laughs) 
very valid point. And so uh, going along with that, I also have, um, beyond just contracts, they can also do things. If they don't want to spend the normal two gold a day mm-hmm. for survival of living in the city, uh, which covers like their food and boarding, then they can work at a tavern, the Fox's Tale, T-A-L, so creative. And, <laughs> and can't spell. And so uh, when they work there, they can uh, tip. Uh, they get a gold piece of, uh, so their food and boarding is covered, and then they get a gold piece on top of that. Right. And then they also get to, uh, they can roll for tips. And then depending on what position they're doing, like if they're the chef, then they discount the cost of their for their cook's utensil signature dishes, which we made an article in, which I'll link in the show notes. Which I liked. I really yeah. liked. And then there's also like, if you're a waitress and to see, uh, if you hear any juicy gossip around town, right. things like that. Um, and then there, if you want to work at the tavern, you hit the gym to give advantage on your next athletics or acrobatics check. Right. I'll put the my downtime days out there. Okay. Know that it's specified towards my city, so it might not make a huge sense for everyone. No, but it gives good adjust. ideas. I mean, and one of the things I really liked about it was you would put in, okay, you know, I'm playing a rogue right now, so I could get a side quest through the guild. Correct. Uh, and each contract has a certain number of downtime exactly. days they have to give up. And I like that. that. That that's one of my favorite parts about it because you have there, there's a, a sense of time management involved in it. So it's just not like oh, there's three contracts. At these I'm going to take them all. You have a day. I don't care. They're, they're, why can't I do them all? Well, now it says this one's going to take three days. So you need to spend three days doing it. The part that kills me about this is. How are you not having a nervous breakdown having five of us being like, I want to do this. I want to do that. For me, it's easy because we get together twice a week to work on this stuff. And you're just like, oh, you're going to do that. Roll some dice. Tell me what's going on. I stay up to coming up with systems. <laughs> like I just came up with this last campaign. I ran to it a bunch. People wanted to transfer enchantments from weapon to another. And so I kind of let them do it. And then I realized I was letting them switch over very rare enchantments to, onto other very rare things. Like there's a certain point where you have to just be like, hmm. Y'all need to calm down with <laughs> yeah. like this. And I will say, uh, I, I, my world that we play in is a probably a, a high magic campaign. Right. It, even that, I'm not like, it, like it isn't super high. Like, not everyone has magical ability, but there is a proliferation of people with magical abilities mm-hmm. and magical items. And I'm okay with that. You know, I like magic items, as I've made clear in many of my posts. And we do too. Yeah. Uh, but basically, I've made an enchantment system where if you want to swap it over, it's going to cost a god-awful amount of gold, or gems, and then it's going to destroy whatever item you enchant from. Right. And so, and each item has a certain number of slots available to it, and it also link it. It's a, it's a work in progress. We'll see how it goes. No, and, and people loved it on the previous campaign. I did not utilize it. And I think part of that goes back to me being way more old school than a lot of guys. And I'm just like, it doesn't interest me. Now, everybody was doing it, and it gave them some really cool advantages. But... <laughs> You were so pissed because uh, uh, one of the one of the ones I know a lot of people loved was how they could have a gem infused into their body and get resistance immunity to let's say acid yeah, damage, and then yeah. literally what was that about a week later? No. Critical role or a week before Critical Role came with the tattoos. Yeah, you were so angry. I had set up a system for whenever they uh, meet this person. He will gems into the back. This was actually after reading the UA prestige class for the rune master or whatever it okay. was. And basically like using these gems into your body. You could have a maximum of three. Mm-hmm. It hurt a lot. 
Uh, but, I mean, it's fun augmenting your character, which I guess really does kind of the high magic pain type stuff. Um, well, we were also, what, at that point we were level 15, 16 plus? Yeah. So um, it was like small, like, boosts, uh, like minor ba- uh, boons. Like, uh, you have resistance to non-magical slash. Right. You uh, you can spend a short rest infusing your weapon with fire, and so for, like, the next little bit you deal some extra. Like, they're small little boons like that. Nothing great. No. But I don't think there was immunity. There was a yeah. resistance yeah. to a lot. I had a, a the ruling that you could have up to three in your body. After that, uh, the magic would stop functioning. Uh, he kept telling you guys, yeah, I had a buddy of mine. He had five of them, uh, and his body was ripped to shreds. <laughs> and you guys are like, by the runes? He's like, well, not specifically by the runes. He met some bugbears. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, so we can have more than three? He's like, well, I had a buddy. He had five, and he was ripped to shreds. It's yeah. like... Take I'm, the hint. You guys are more than welcome to put more in your body. I don't yet know what the consequence yeah. is, but we will figure it out together. No, and and everybody in the party loved it. I mean, there were I think almost everyone had yeah, at least one, liked- and some people had three. I didn't. I just didn't. I didn't want to do it. It cost a lot of money, and for me, I was just like, eh, that's not what I want to spend my money on. Now that being said, part of the reason I didn't want to do that is a, I'm not used to a heavy magic campaign, and b, I had tiny, and we're gonna spend an entire episode talking about tiny. That was probably one of the most my most favorite things on any session or any campaign I've ever played on. Tiny was a shield guardian that my cleric got who basically we developed over time to becoming it was like think of it he got sent uh he had some form of a soul in tempest after he died one too many times yes and uh started taking levels in eldritch knight fighter um because he wanted to be a master wizard like our wizard yes the we're definitely spending an episode talking about tiny i love tiny he was Think of Data from Star Trek, and I know you don't watch it. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, for those of you that Should get I the say reference, I don't watch trash shows. Oh uh, God, Next Generation was fantastic. You're you're a fucking heathen. I'm just trying to like uh, elicit like some sort of more so heathen. we get more hits on the website. So yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> for all three people, uh, I'm one of them. So I'll just start flaming you on the website. The it, it's like the the development of that character and star trek the next generation he started out very just robotic and developed a personality and became more human as he went on for worse yeah oh god he was annoying as fuck but i i literally got to play two characters it was awesome because and then he got find familiar uh and then he had teeny um and I'm pretty sure that a couple of the guys at the table wanted to punch me. And one of them was a lady who was your wife. Yeah. Um, but well, and Teeny only spoke in minions, uh, like despicable meat minions. He, we got the sound. I got a soundboard on my phone, and he would just scream and like say banana a lot. It was great. So we really hit for realism yeah. in our games. <laughs> but that was a homebrew, and that was that you we made up rules for him specifically, and I loved it. And for me, that was I didn't need anything else. You know, I had my magic items for my character, but I actually spent more money on Tiny than I did on my character because he you was... dying. Yes. He was my character's alter ego. I was a war domain cleric. I was boring as hell. He was a very... He had a pole shoved up his ass and was kind of... Dry. Yeah. But all of a sudden, I have this moron of a shield guardian that would just do, like blow up the bar across the street that was a horrible idea and it just led to so much fun and mischief he was in love <laughs> with our wizard which led to some really fun times but you as we developed him you made specific rules 
that we had to follow. And I thought that was fantastic. I'm still sad you didn't want to do the, the fireball cannon arm augmentation. I know. Because <laughs> you said you <laughs> wanted a jetpack and pockets for it. <laughs> you were like, I can give them boots of flying. I'm like, no, that would end poorly. Um, he'd be jumping off the shit like, oh, it's a thousand feet. I'm going to jump off. Yeah. I forgot to wear my boots. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, just like put little... Like little tubes in his wrist, so when he like flicked his uh the, his hand like Spider Man, uh, <laughs> instead of a string of web, it'd just be like a bead of fireball just shooting out. <laughs> we uh yeah, <laughs> so we digressed. Let me ask you a question. Okay, I have a lot of house rules. I should say, I guess you do, but do you have a lot of house rules because you allow people to play homebrew? races and characters do you find that you have to put these house rules into place because uh, you have all these let's say people would say they're fully developed i would say they're underdeveloped uh races uh and you know classes that you need to expand upon because the players want to expand upon it but you have to put some guidelines in for the stuff they're asking to do so do you think that causes you to have more house rules uh, maybe but I like house rules because I like coming up with stupid shit to throw in. And I guess kind of like part of it was when I when I first started my campaign, the previous campaign, Curse of Strahd, uh, we had a ranger that had herbalism kit, but he wanted it to actually do something. So I was like, you know what? I'll create some stuff for it. It'll be fine. I'll screw it up. It'll be, we'll adjust as we need throughout the campaign. Right. He really liked that. I enjoyed making it. And, you know, I started out very... And then we went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> Then we started kind of jumping down the rabbit hole. And then that campaign ended. Huge amount of shenanigans of house rules there. That campaign ended. And then we started a new campaign. And I was like, you know what? I have. We went into a lot of things. Why don't I go ahead and clarify what the house rules are for everyone? So there's no confusion. Right. And then I just kept making more and more house rules. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, there's this one circumstance where they did this one thing. Let me go ahead and just put a rule about that. Yeah. By... I would say by maybe two thousand end of two thousand twenty, we will have a better version of Pathfinder out <laughs> that everyone can buy. I, no, no, it's it's not Pathfinder because Pathfinder three point five actually there. Yeah. Um, it. Here's the thing: we've talked about this before. I would say at least half to probably seventy five percent of the house rules are fantastic. If they negatively affect me or my character, I hate them. But what house rule negatively affects 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 you? Uh, I'm going back to the previous campaign and I have to look at my notes, but there were some, okay. yeah, there were some things where I was like, fuck. <laughs> hey, I stand by my decision that clerics cannot cast healing magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that went poorly. No, he did not. I do use Mercers. You can cast any spell. Well, you can cast two leveled spells right. in your round, but the second one has to be second level lower. And that helped which a lot. I work with, and I mean, that hasn't been a problem. I, I I could see it potentially being a problem for like source because they can mm. uh, quicken spells, so they work as a bonus action. But I'm not yeah. really concerned because my monsters can also, <laughs> if they have the ability to, can they can uh, do it too. Can do it too. But it mostly just came down to using a lot of healing words and using a lot of misty stem stuff. But I think long term, as you continue to develop the house rules, they apply to a lot of different things, and uh, I am very hopeful that we'll be able to put out a book on them, uh, just because they add so much flavor to our game. I think other people would appreciate them. And like other homebrew rules, you know, you pull inspiration from them. You're like, eh, that's pretty cool. I'm not sure I like that. So you fucking change it. 
Yeah. Um, well, and house rules should only be used to make your world better. They right. sh- I I can't really think of any of my house rules that are meant to like stifle the players or make it harder for them to. All I'm doing like moving enchantments from one weapon to another. That is designed to help the player. Now it is expensive because I mean there it's has expensive. to be some sort yeah. of barrier. Like there there needs to be some sort of barrier where they think, do I really want to go through? Right. And there needs to be some sort of limit because the idea of like stacking artifact like enchantments on which we've already had someone asking about we're level two (laughs) (laughs) like that that that's gonna be a bit you know yeah that's that's when you're just like ah no and that's what i mean it it, but flavor it presents personal challenges to the characters they have to make decisions based on what they think is best Hmm. so I think it's fantastic. I mean, I haven't played in a city-based campaign, I don't think, ever. And I'm enjoying it. Granted, we're, what, three sessions, two sessions into it? Yep. But it's great. It is absolutely fantastic. And I think as we continue to develop these rules and put things together, I think other people will appreciate it as much as we do. Another house rule uh, that I was thinking of, when people do dumb shit, this is a personal house rule I have where... And I know it'll end poorly for them. I restate what they're doing, and then I say, is that what you want to do? Most of the time, they don't catch it, I guess. Maybe I'm not restating it enough. But that that, that that's kind of my personal thing. Like, I, let's say, completely I'm, hypothetical. I'm remembering this right now. <laughs> completely hypothetical. Oh, let's boy. say that, you don't know this hypothetical. It's, it's, okay, it's new to you. Uh, let's say that a group of ventures were on level three of the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. They walked into a city, completely crumbling down. Everything's been hostile to them up to this point. And then a wizard just screams, hello, into the middle of the city. Everyone else runs away, but he stays there and then uh, finds a drow and tries to kill the drow by himself. Three giant spiders attack him. He then tries running away and surrender. Now, throughout all of this, I was like, you don't want to run away. You want to charge into that room where the where a drow is. Is that what you want to do? The player yeah. obviously is like, yes. <laughs> you want to fight this drow by yourself with three giant spiders and what sounds like a swarm of drow coming towards you. Is yes. that correct? <laughs> you want to surrender to a bunch of drow you were fighting. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> you don't want to run away. Okay. Like, completely hypothetical, <laughs> of course. Uh, once again, players do dumb shit all the time. Yeah, I- that's kind of a house rule. I guess another thing we could talk about it when you were DMing, mm-hmm. when you were young and impressionable. Yes, impressionable, young, naive. Did you roll dice in front of your? Did you fudge your dice, Chris? No, 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 no. Never fudge dice. That's that's like the guys that you know lie on their score in golf. That, there's no respect for people like that. That's bullshit. The of course in our campaign right now it's amazing to me how many people when they roll like oh that was cocked and then re-roll it's like really i think we're just gonna need to buy a big dice tray and put it in the middle of the table i think that's called a table yes um yeah. i mean it, i get it I, I i don't care about the cocked diet like you know if it was a good result, sometimes they're still like, oh, it's cocked. Yeah. It's no. like, I really wish it wasn't, but it's cocked. It's like, eh, it's fine. I don't yeah. care. No. It, that part doesn't bother me. No. It's most when they're blatant when like they roll it, it's in the middle of it, and they're like, it's cocked. <laughs> Picked it up. <laughs> the <laughs> Which I've been like, I did have someone in AL. No, really? I was just like, ah, not cocked. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I always rolled behind the screen, but I didn't lie. And usually because uh, I was not good at hiding my facial expressions um, of sadness. Like glee? Anger or... Ex- being ecstatic, like, being very happy. Critted. Yes, uh, and there were a couple times P- 
people call bullshit. And I'd be like, fine, look behind here. And then hover over all my notes and tell them to look at the die. But I don't know. I just roll behind the screen. Okay. You don't. Uh, I kind of did when we started out, but then I moved my... Uh, I didn't really like the screen in front of me because I had to like keep reaching over it to like move minis around and stuff on the map. Well, you pace a lot, too. You're always moving. You don't well, really I like sit. to stand up like, yeah. during... I don't know how you guys are sitting during... I can't sit during combat. Like I, I get fidgety and I start moving. Because I was on my feet for... 25 years of my life so i like sitting now okay you're old you have an excuse <laughs> yeah thanks the i find combat's very exciting but i mean <laughs> it's also because it's because you're turn trying the entire to kill time. us <laughs> well, not everyone else is just like whatever i'll go on my phone until the end of it <laughs> the yeah listen to episode three where we talk about phones. yeah although it is interesting because uh, i think at least a couple people have listened to our podcast that sit at the table and they're looking at their phones but they're using them as reference tools now so long as they're looking at our website on their phones i don't care what okay good yeah. um i'll put that one out there perfect so yeah you don't roll behind the screen which we can appreciate by the way you really i mean you've probably got what seven to ten Pairs of dice? Yeah. And they all like, suck. <laughs> I only use like three or four of them, though. You really need like to change that up. Ones. Really. Well, to be fair, I also roll way more than you guys for my mothers. And so when it sucks, it I mean, yeah, it's but, just more noticeable. Yeah, but some of, some of those rolls, I mean. I would like to get new dice. I love when you're just like, I'm not using those dice anymore. I'm like, you are actually going to run out of dice, and you have a lot of dice. Well, luckily, I have two two sets of dice that I keep like off to the side, away from the others, and like their own little characters. <laughs> they don't roll better. I I just didn't have a spot to put them, so I I I, I had little containers, so I just put them. I'm sure you're just like, I want you corrupted. The bad juju from the other dice cannot affect you. Players also get needlessly uh, angry if I roll dice. <laughs> Yeah, they really Which do. I suppose is another rule that some people have is like, don't touch my dice Like at the table. like People are like, no, no, bad juju from the dice. You know, you don't let someone else touch your dice unless they're like a good roller. We had someone's like, hey, hey, you can you go ahead and like bless my dice? And he's just like <laughs> rolled the d20 a couple times. He's like, yep, 18, 19, 20. He's like, these are good now. I was like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that I've never seen before. No, we don't have that at our table. At least I don't think so. No, no, that was at our table. What? Where was I? You were there. You were probably on your phone looking at our website. Yes. Yes, I was. I was probably panicking and trying to figure out what article I was going to oh, do no. like today for tomorrow. Well, that's because Ben always rolls. That's all. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's amazing how some people always roll high. I don't understand. I, I do, but I don't. Modifiers... <laughs> I'm not quite sure how when you roll a 7 at second level, all of a sudden you have a 15. Beyond like the bad juju of dice and I roll kind of in front of you guys, the only time I ever lie about like the result on the dice is when you guys are level 1 and I get a critical hit. (laughs) And I'm hitting someone that can't take a critical hit. Yeah, I don't want to kill you guys at level 1. You guys spend a lot of time figuring out this character. You haven't had a chance to like get into their skin and stuff. And so on the basis of story, I mean, if if I hit you a bunch of times and you guys guys get yourself killed, that's fine at level 1. Yeah, that's on us. Yeah, but if I get a critical hit, I'm just treating it as a regular hit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to deal double damage to you because, one, that's unnecessarily mean. Right. And two, it's just, you know, what? sometimes a CR half monster doesn't get a critical hit. And that's all. They just, it, yeah. it's just a regular hit. A regular hit is bad enough for level one player. Uh, yeah. No, two hits and one. I've already gone down once. 
you know, it, it it's that transition from, oh, I had a level 20 character. I just waited in and just, you know, I'd be like, oh, okay, three or four yeah. rounds, I might back now, up. Now, if it's like a barbarian or a fighter, I might uh, sit, like do the critical damage if I know we are almost done. Right. Just so then like, they're like, oh, that was close. But if it's like a wizard and they're just like positioned themselves poorly, not by any fault of their own, just didn't realize things were happening on the map. And I like crit with some sort of level appropriate monster that could kill them one hit. Yeah, what they have full health. You know, it's just that's no, not at all. <laughs> and I don't think that's fun. Now I know that there are certain players that would find that, and if they are part of my table and I did that to them, I would let that happen. You know, there's yeah. a bit of understanding work and how your players feel about things. I know that there are certain players that will take a meaningless death like that on the nose. It whatever. You yeah, know? it's hilarious. It's something we can talk about. Other players would be like extremely bummed out by it. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the personalities too. So, what was the? I was looking at something, and there was a. It was a house rule where if you're rolling in with advantage and you roll two twenties, correct. It was an immediate. I don't. I've seen something like that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I'd never yeah, seen. Yeah, it's, it's like I think it's like the Vorpal Sword where you cut off a head if you roll a natural twenty, and then you get another natural twenty. Yeah, it's like a death monster. It's a death blow. Um, yeah, but I never have you guys like confirm critical like that. No. But I also I don't have like uh, critical fumbles, critical hit right. cards. I I think it's bad enough when you roll one. Why would you impose like a greater zany three stooges style fumble on there? Like, <laughs> oh, you slip on a banana peel and you're prone <laughs> and you stab yourself in the eye with your dagger. It's like, I don't even have it. Too bad. You, you, hit you had head. one in this instance. <laughs> you hit your head on the way down. You're unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> like, one sucks enough. No one likes seeing big one on dice. Yeah. Like, it, it just meant you missed. Badly. And and it improperly hurts uh, the martial character yeah. because they're making four swings at high level a turn plus their action search so they could get eight swings there's a five percent chance you're going at five percent so they'll get a 20 and so it's when you're rolling that many times you're more than likely going to get several ones in a single combat encounter right and that just makes them look if you have like a fumble like they're fucking morons with a sword <laughs> yeah like yeah you did just swing from that chandelier and like slice those three people but i mean you slept on that banana peel that wasn't there <laughs> And now you're on your back, and your sword somehow exploded from your hand and is in the ceiling. Okay. Hey, which I, I exaggeration on my part, but still, I I don't like critical fumbles, and I don't like critical hit cards. Critical hits are already savage enough. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Especially no, if you're a paladin, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna pop this yeah. smite. So I don't know. Long story short, there for and this is kind of how I felt about it back then and i think this is how we address it now there has to be a level of trust between the dm and the table uh that the any house rules are going to be i think first off not detrimental to the players it's not out to get the players unless you were gygax and then you just fucking hated players and did everything to kill them and that is the views of chris yes i have news whatever opinionated motherfucker on the planet anyways so it was beneficial to the player it added a sense of flavor to the game that may not otherwise be there and it was a work in progress that the players get to comment on i mean when i was making when i'd have house rules if something was like bad and they'd be like man that makes no sense or that's a bitch and i'd be like oh i didn't realize in my head when i wrote it down i thought it sounded great but in reality and you know when we're playing i'm like oh that didn't work out so well and i took 
their opinions into account and you tweak it a little yeah you know well, and and any ruling even that's written or even raw should be open for the players to to say i don't right. like i i think there's something wrong with right and there's rules as written in the book that you can disagree with now i will give the majority of weight towards the rules as written in the book because that's written with the idea of balance and like that mm-hmm but if a player can come to me and be like, see this, this, and this, and from their perspective, I can see it, where, where they're coming from, and if it makes sense for this specific thing, then I might make you know a ruling for that. And a player should always have the ability, the freedom, to talk to you about your rules. Agreed. Not in the middle of a session. No. If you give it to them before the session, and they have time to look it over, they should not be bringing it up in the middle of the session. The session is time for... Yes. In between sessions, you can talk about rules all you want. Yes. But if you don't allow players to come to you about house rules, then it's a dictator. Yeah. And no, I agree. one thing we know. No one's going to want to play with you. Yes. Yes. That, that's that's, that's the one thing we know. <laughs> no, and I mean, it, it, that's I think that's one of the reasons that our table works so well and really, we all really want to stick together because we can approach and be like, hey, I want to be a cook part-time and I want to create all this good shit here's what i want to do and you'll create a set of rules for it and you know there may be some pushback like well i don't really like this you can be like yeah i'm sorry that there's going to be a penalty to do something but it's got to be balanced somehow you don't just get to do whatever the hell you want it's not all pluses there's got to be there's got to be balance in home rules just like there is in all the other rules yeah and like i created a modular weapon system styled off of fable and the new pathfinder weapons where you have rooms that you can pop in and out of your weapons based mm-hmm. off of, uh circumstance of that and they are priced according to the same magical price so they're they're pricey yep they're expensive but it'll uh, gives the players a huge amount of freedom as to hey i just have a bunch of runes that i can choose from to customize my weapon for the fight ahead now can't put enchantments on the and i have had you can we though it's like yeah. no, no. The, the, these these weapons are already ridiculous in themselves <laughs> They don't need enchantments. Yeah, no. no. The we just had that question today. We're second level. Um, the no, and just on a side Which note, I will put in the show. Notes yeah, for the tear apart. That's fine. Just a, a, on a side note too, it's funny because a lot of people will bitch about how four E and five E steal shit from video games. The the whole rune system, I, and I remember it from Pathfinder. Yeah, World of Warcraft stole that just straight up. Oh, I mean, and it makes sense. It's, it's a cool. It's a cool mechanic. It's a game. Games steal yeah. things from each other all the time. And you should. It's just crossing mediums. It's not a deal. No originality. Exactly. Which I'll link as well. The original yep. post. I'm a huge fan of looking at things in pop culture that I like because I really like the Fable rune system. And then when I was looking into it some more, I saw that Pathfinder 2 had it. So I was looking at how they did. And I made my own. And then I saw like right when I was putting on the finishing touches for uh, the new campaign for it, someone on the D&D subreddit had made their own rune system. And so I was like, this is great. Yeah. You know, screw you guys for stealing my thunder from myself, <laughs> but, you know, awesome. No, I mean, that's perfect. So, actually, and uh, we got, we were totally going to talk about different things on this podcast, and we had a request to talk about this, which I think was great, because it wasn't anything that really we had thought about, but can, what are your thoughts about tying that into whatever the fuck we were going to talk about before? Uh, we were actually going to talk about uh, high-tier play and powerful magical items and how it kind of ruins gm fun but i think save that for fantastic good no i don't know if i can use my my uh all my prep then i don't need prep next one that's 
fantastic. I don't prep anything. I just show up. Yeah, I know. Part of my GM style is just improv. Well, no, you. Yeah, we talked about that before. But you did for our last one on Dungeons and Dragons. You brought more prep than I did. I drew out a church. Yeah, <laughs> that was the extent of my prep, and then I was like, "All right, session over." Good no, job, guys. you're you're one you're one prep for the the last podcast on the Dungeons and Dragons movie was oh. the scene, the Jeremy Irons scene. Oh, the rage! Yeah, <laughs> I do like that. I uh, do. We all should right. rewatch it. Can I tell you how excited we were when we posted a a thing on Twitter saying, "Oh, we're getting ready to put our new podcast out. It's on Dungeons and Dragons at Jeremy Irons." And then about half an hour later, we got a response from Jeremy Irons' Twitter a, feed. Yeah, it was a like. Yeah, it was like, yeah. "We've made it. We're big time." I'm not a hundred percent. That's Jeremy. I think it's that's Jeremy a, Irons' agent. agent. Yeah. yeah, but I'm okay with that. So too. am I. I'm totally happy with it. Oh, it's great to be small time. The little things make you so happy. Yeah, feels good. <laughs> the next fun. episode, we can talk a little bit more about our original topic was uh, powerful magical items. We kind of did touch we on. We touched today. on. Yeah. No, it's a. Uh, yeah. It's why DMs are idiots for making characters OP and then bitching about it. What? Taking away the DM's fun when it's their own fault. Wait, are you talking about me? No, not at all. It's a hypothetical. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> I, I make the obscure hypotheticals around here not you oh sorry but yeah uh so thank you caleb for uh your kind words in your email mm-hmm. um yeah steven steven says that he has a fan i'm not quite sure what that means for me but i i think i know my role here <laughs> comic relief as always you can find us at <laughs> <laughs> i can't do that our twitter is stat underscore dump yes and download our podcast yes download the podcast